The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, the right mileage for a used car, diesel versus solar generators, and an interview with Woodrow Gaines, founder of the Teen Vehicle Operation Course. All that and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Bill, right now. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and Bill Maine. <laughs> you started the morning Tim. on Main Street. <laughs> I almost called you Tim. Man, mm. how you doing today? I am very well today, and honored to be with you talking about well cars. I, yeah, I well, love I love talking about cars. You're yeah. a car guy. Yeah, that's why it. that's Absolutely. why I called you up. Yeah, been in the garage several times, and uh, you've actually done some work on the truck for me. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. It had nothing to do with you. you were the 13th person I called. I'm just. I'm just happy you're here. <laughs> you know, just as long as you get called. Well, that's that's true. Yeah. Uh, what was your week week like? My uh, week was uh, my week was a busy busy week. That's for sure. Had a lot going on with the station and just a lot personally. So uh, and we're taking this. My wife and I are taking this new uh, yoga class on Wednesday nights. Mm. Yeah. So I'll be able to get a, like a pretzel here pretty soon. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. It, it it's challenging. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, at yeah. this at this point in our lives, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know I know all about what you're saying. I, I'm not exactly as flexible as I used to be. Uh, flexible. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. And on the other side of the glass, uh, it's Bill Squared. We got Bill Bill Wilson, uh, Double Bill, t- taking care of this exactly. force. The, double all Bill. All the production. I went to Petit Le Mans last week. I wish I could have gone. Unfortunately, way too busy. And uh, heard that it was great. It was great. Uh, Saturday was great. Uh, Friday, we, we got rained on, which you're not camping if you don't get rained on. And uh, it worked out fine. The, the, you know, the, it, it never ceases to amaze me. At the end of the race, you could throw a blanket over the, the different classes of cars and how close they are yeah. after 10 hours. Yeah. So amazing, amazing stuff. Can't wait for next year. One of the coolest things about the race... You know my son, Aaron. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's a general sales manager for uh, Green Ford. He got offered a ride in a Ford Mustang Dark Horse, 2024 Dark Horse, which is the high-performance version of the Mustang, with Joey Hand. Now, Joey Hand is a championship driver. Tell me he didn't turn it down. No, he didn't turn it down. He videoed it. Oh, okay. And if you go to Aaron Hughes' Facebook page. You can see it? You can see it. Cool. And it is cool. Oh. And and the dark horse is very similar to my my uh, Mach one that I have. Mm-hmm. So you you hear the thing, you know, blipping the throttle as he downshifts and stuff. The driver didn't even have to heel and tow it. He just wow kept on nailing the throttle. But it's it, it was a fun ride, and that, that was a lot of fun to see. A fun and fast ride. Yeah. Well, if you're going to get in a hot car, you got yeah. you got to go a little fast. Now this is kind of funny because it's in Colinga, Colinga, California, has the world's largest. Tesla supercharging station. I did not know that. Uh, it's it, it's at a place I believe called Harris Ranch. That's it's like a it's like a Bucky. I was about to say it's okay, like that, Bucky's that with that electricity. Kind of, yeah. Ninety-eight chargers on on site. Uh, a certain amount of them are superchargers. The other ones are Regular. level two yeah, chargers. But but with PG and E's uh, poor record of service, how do they keep them running? Well, <laughs> uh, his his uh, chargers do quite well. The Tesla ones and they usually work. And there's a rumor that all the chargers are powered by 
diesel generators. <laughs> That's just rich. That's just rich irony right there. Well, there's a Shell gas station across from the place, uh -huh. and they say that joint is full of diesel generators. And I can't confirm this. This is all over the Internet. Okay. So we're pretty good at starting rumors uh, here on the show. So, you know, you're going to have to do a little bit of homework uh, on this. But it got me to thinking. And once I start thinking, uh, you know. That's a dangerous it, thing. You're not really qualified, down, are you? I know. Down yeah. the rabbit hole. So I wanted to figure out if these things aren't hooked to the grid and they're, they're solar-powered, what, what would be the effect of solar-powered over diesel power generators because there's parts in the in the world here where yeah they, i could see they gotta have generators to yeah. have power i can see advantages to either one i think it's situational well it's situational it depends on who's writing the article too oh yeah well that's true it's <laughs> that's called perspective i'm, I'm not you know, perspective that's a word i was groping yeah. for mm -hmm. all right though it is broadly agreed that solar generators are a cheaper option I didn't know that was broadly agreed. I didn't think it was. It may be a cheaper option to operate, but I bet it's not to install. It's a cheaper operation with three magic words in the long run. Ah, see, yeah. yeah. So, in other words, it's expensive up front. Well, it's quite expensive, but a lot of rural communities, you know, that are far from the national grid, and they've got to have self-contained generators, and they have to decide whether they're going to use solar power or Diesel generation. Well, I imagine if it's a small town, they probably don't have the budget for solar. I mean, the ROI is good, but it takes a long time, as you mentioned. In the long run, it can take you years. Well, they are 5 to 10. Well, the, the warranty is 5 to 10 years on them, all right? But as far as what they cost, they are, they have much larger initial capital cost. Yeah, I would think so. Like 10 times what a diesel generator is. What? Yeah. Well, I imagine the materials for one thing, but the install has to be very particular, whereas with a diesel generator, put it in, fuel it up, plug it in, and turn it on. Yeah. Now, it's pretty simple. Obviously, it's a diesel engine. Yeah. Okay, so it, you, you don't have to worry about... about uh, the sun going out. The sun going out. Yeah. You don't have to worry Clouds. about storms. Yeah. You don't have to worry about rain or any of that kind of stuff. And the things that take out solar panels, like... Hailstorms. Yeah, and they're very reliable, and the service on them is they'll run forever. Just keep them serviced, and they're not expensive to service. Well, this article says they're much more expensive to service because all you got to do is clean the solar panels. Yeah, well, I'm not buying all of this. We have four generators here at the station. I can tell you, we have to service them, but it's a lot cheaper than well, you think. They have a lifetime of 20 to 25 years of solar panels too, and there's no moving parts. They just degrade from UV and, yeah. and the weather and all that kind of stuff. Which means their output also degrades as they degrade. So you're not getting as much on the 25th year as you got on You've the first year. You've caught up on this, haven't you? No, it's, just, it's just, no, it's just logic. You know, we had a diesel generator here a long time ago. It was World War II surplus. We used it for over 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Because all it's doing is sitting out there idling. Yeah. Or it's at a steady speed. Yeah. That's not hard on an engine when it's at a steady speed. What kills it is being cold, being warm. Speeding up, slowing down, all of that. You keep the filters and stuff changing. You're, you're pretty But especially good. with a diesel, you, you tend to get more life out of that than you would if you were just burning gasoline. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's, there's the other thing to think about. So there's another thing that I thought about. <laughs> Uh-oh. I can't help Now myself. where are we going? All right, so we established the generators. Uh, you're probably better off if you're on a budget to get a yeah. diesel generator. Yeah, All right. I would. And this is kind of follows in line with the segment we did on electric school buses that cost twice as much as a regular school bus. And by the way, 
The charger that it needs is $200,000 per bus. Oh, good grief. So, I mean, it doesn't come in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. you, you got to buy that, and you got it's three phase. You got to hook it up. The electric. You can't. You can't plug them in in, mm. in series like you do Christmas lights. No, nope. just plug one bus into the other bus into the other bus. No, you can't. No, okay, no. If, it's a if shame. One of the buses unplugs, <laughs> uh, the whole grid goes down. Exactly. So I got to thinking about fuel efficiency because we're talking about diesel generators. Yeah. Okay? okay. And I wondered how efficient a locomotive is, a diesel locomotive. Because that's a diesel generator. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah, it's just putting power to the electric engine that's actually turning. It's actually, yeah. it's a hybrid. Yeah. Folks, remember, Tim and I are always talking about hybrids. Just like a cruise ship. It's the ultimate hybrid, yes, just like a cruise ship. Yeah. So, CSX, the railroad people, uh, put out a article about ton mile per gallon as a measurement to, des- to describe the efficiency of hauling freight by different modes of transportation. All right? And I'm just going to do the, the quick and dirty. There's a whole TMPG, lot of numbers on here. is it called? Uh, something like yes. that, yeah. So 19 tons times 500 miles in a diesel truck is 134 ton miles per gallon. 134 ton miles per gallon. Okay, let me jot that down. All right, go ahead. Got it? A diesel yeah. train is 520 ton miles per gallon. Okay, I don't have to write that down to know the difference. Yeah. One is four times more efficient than the other. That's amazing. Um, and it's a hybrid. Yeah. So, you know, you're not, you're not upsetting anybody. No. And what that had to do with the diesel generator thing, I, I can't really tell you. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to get in, a, in that and, uh, you know, but I think, see what I, that was all about. But I think what it points out, though, at the same time, Bud, is, you know, there's a balance in this whole struggle between fossil Absolutely. fuel and electricity. And, to go in one total direction with electric is not practical. You can go in one direction with the fossil fuel and it works fine. We've been doing it for years. But if you're trying to accomplish other things, maybe climate or whatever it might be that you're interested in, the hybrid's going to be the way to go. But I don't think you can get rid of diesel, especially, uh, in the long run. How, you can't charge a train. No. You, you have to use, and, and, and if you did, you'd be using a diesel generator to charge it anyway, so just do it's what you're like, doing. It's like electric John Deere tractors. You know, during harvest season, what are you going to do when a, when a tractor runs out of, you yeah. know, the corn's got a certain moisture in it, you've got to do it at a certain time. Or when you're cutting hay, you've got to be able to turn that hay at the right that, time. That's right. Well, yeah. we, we have we, got to swing the pendulum back to the middle. Thank you. I'm just, just saying, I'm sorry, but I'm saying, it's all, I'm not sorry. It's okay. Well, if you're a car guy, You know, it might just be a time to make that a career. Uh, You can earn good money fixing cars. All the dealerships are looking for technicians. And a good place to get started is Lanier Technical College. You go through their automotive program. They have up-to-date cars, up-to-date equipment, and you can get a head start on your training. And then when you go to the dealership and apply for a job, you have some, you know, you have some uh, resume-building things that are already there, and you can add to them with the dealer training and keep updated on the new cars as they come out. And it's not, it's not difficult to be up in the high numbers, even six figures, as a repair technician on new automobiles and uh, trucks. So check them out at Lanier Technical College, LanierTech.edu. Last <laughs> week, we talked about how many miles a new car should have on it. Well, if it's new, it should have none. Well, yeah, but there's, there's, some, there's some exceptions. If it's been in stock for six months... 
Yeah, it might have some test drives on it. All right. But, but what, I, what, you know, we, we came to an agreed amount last week. If it's got over 1,500 miles, you can't sell it as a new car in California. Okay. Just wanted to let you know that. Some cars, like Corvettes and stuff, they take them around the track at the factory for a few miles. Um, you know, they, they don't run them hard, and they just make sure nothing falls off. Right, yeah. And stuff like that. Let's shake it down. Yeah, shake it down. Mm -hmm. Don't shake it off. Shake it down. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. Yeah. And, and anyway, we've agreed that it's less than 10 miles. Less than 10 miles? Yeah. Okay. All right. So what do you think is acceptable for a used car? You've bought used cars. I've bought used cars. You know, I've bought a lot of used it. cars. Okay. Let me just say the last one that I bought uh, was four years old, and it had uh, 35,000 miles on it. That's very good. That's a heck of a deal. But I will say it depends on what you're buying. If I'm buying a pickup truck, Mm -hmm. I'm probably not worried if it's got 100,000 to 125 on it. Not really worried about it. Why not? Because trucks tend to be more durable and tend to last longer. Okay. That's my perspective. Could be wrong. Uh, but how, how old was the one you just bought? The, the vehicle I just bought yeah. was a 2019. Okay. And, that, and now that's, a, that's a, a cheap Grand Cherokee I'm driving. Right. It's four years old. It's four or years old. 35,000 miles. So it's barely been driven. Right. Yeah. 10 to 12,000 miles a year is the average. Average. Yeah. What if you had found a Jeep like that that had um, five, 6,000 miles on it? Wow, only five or 6,000 miles? Yeah. That'd be awesome. One owner, uh, five, 6,000 miles on it. If it were 2019, I'd be really suspicious. Well, but, it, it yeah. ain't like it used to be uh, as yeah. far as clocking them back. But there's some disadvantages to something that hasn't been driven very much. True, it's been sitting up. It does better when you run an engine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it does better, as, as weird as this might sound, uh, I won't say Atlanta. Well, I will say Atlanta. Let's say you're driving to Atlanta, but you don't get into the stop-and-go traffic. Right. Let's you're say able you to got a straight drive. shot and drive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's better for your car than running around town, town here, yeah. you know, doing... Highway miles tend to, tend to be better on it. If I'm buying a sedan or if I'm going to buy something like that, I'm probably looking... I would love to have something under 100000 Okay. Yeah. By and large. I just turned a thousand on my must. <laughs> but it's it's a twenty twenty two, all right? And but yeah. but I didn't get it in twenty twenty two. Right. But that's a different that's a different thing. And, and you know, that's a yeah. different that's the Sunday. So it's it's not an everyday driver. No. And you're certainly not gonna park at the grocery store. No. <laughs> but here's you know, let's go back to the diesel thing. Okay. Here's where the hybrid comes in. My wife is Jan has got a plug in hybrid. Okay. Which is different than a regular hybrid right, yeah. because you plug it in and you, to begin with, you've got X amount of miles before the engine ever wakes up. Right, yeah. Uh, or the, you know, it, it becomes a hybrid. Yeah. For the first 40 miles, this thing is electric. So she goes from where we live to Kroger and back, plugs it in, and she, the, yeah. the engine never starts. Never so starts. I changed the oil in it last week, and I think it's got 7,000 miles, okay, on it. And the, the oil looked... Brand new. Brand new. You kind of felt so, like you wasted your money. Well, there's, there's a different... Yeah, but I, the stupid light wouldn't go off unless I reset it. And uh, there's a differentiation between, you know, that, that hybrid engine doesn't necessarily run the same amount as no. the mileage of the car. No. So... You how know, you do you determine... And how, and how will that, I don't know the if the computer. Run, I don't know if the computer... How calculates that that says you've got 30% of your oil left. I would imagine if it doesn't, somebody's missed their job in the programming department because it would be very easy to, 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 to put a program so. in place for that. I would wonder, the life of the engine, does that change it since it's not running all the time? Since it's just every now and then running? I would. Does that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Based on what you just said, I would think you'd want it to run more. Well, the, 
the the engine starts when it goes into hybrid mode and it starts from a dry start I think I'm not sure of that I don't know what keeps the engine lubricated and it's something I can't get an answer from just right. a basic layman on I've got to find out you know because if you're going down the road at 50 miles an hour and the engine starts you know all of a sudden it's at 50 miles an hour yeah. I think that there's got to be some transition between the oil pressure in the engine and the car switching switching over to the engine. I would think there has to be some, some sort of, of loud noise going. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. Our parts coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm hoping anyway. So back to this. You, yeah. you need to understand how the cars are driving. Uh, high mileage cars are not necessarily bad, like you've just pointed out to us. Yeah. You know, if it's been driven down the highway, uh, and it, right now a days. In the last decade, you could weld the hood shut on most anything. And if you don't run it out of oil, you can get 100,000 miles out of it. Yeah, I will say this. My uh, daughter's driving one that's got 217,000 miles on it. Took it to the mechanic for its burping. And he said, this is probably one of the better cars you've ever bought. Keep driving it. You don't have any problem. For its burping? Yeah, for its burping. Okay. It was not a cheap burping, but yeah. Oh. Concept one pulley systems. You know, I go on and on about the, the stuff they make, the actual pulley systems themselves and how they fit the car in that. But after you, you know, after, as you're planning this stuff, you can also get remote steering reservoirs from them, standard power steering reservoirs with uh, different, different arrangements of fittings and stuff on them. Uh, if you've got an LS engine that you're swapping into something, they now have a clockable uh, LS thermostat housing so you can clear things on uh, some of the older chassis when you're using a newer engine. And if you're going to start putting a lot of stuff on your car, if you buy a, a wiring system and you're going to start putting amplifiers and different things in your car that you're restoring, check out their, uh, their charts that they have. You can go into their catalog or you can call them and they can tell you what alternators they have, what's available, and how much draw you're going to have on the different things that you're putting in your car and, you know, give you the right stuff for what you're doing. You know, you don't have to buy just one alternator. They've got options for you. And they will even tell you what wiring to use uh, on the alternator and things as you start adding stuff to your car. So check out all the great things and all the great information they have at Concept One Pulley Systems, C1.com. Well, today's guest is Woodrow Gaines. Woodrow Gaines should be a household name, at least here in Georgia. Um, and maybe by the end of this, he will be. But if you're anywhere else in the United States listening or any other country that's listening, you need to seek out people like Woodrow to train your teen how to get some driving skills. He is the founder of TVOC, and I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about what TVOC is, and we're going to find out how he got started in this, uh, in this endeavor. And today's guest host is DJ Bill. Tim is... Tim and his back aren't getting along, Bill. So I hate to hear that. You're, you're in it. You're in for the day. I hate to hear that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Woodrow, welcome to Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast. Appreciate your uh, allowing us to come out and, and, and talk with you. Well, you've been on the radio show many times. Yes, we and appreciate that. Before we get to talking specifically about the school, I want to know a little bit about you, your youth, and how it got connected with cars. So take it away. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a car guy. We, we, my family moved to Atlanta in 1966. We lived in downtown Atlanta, four blocks from the Fox Theater. And my, old, my oldest brother was a, was a car guy. And that's, that's kind of where I uh, in, inherited my love and, and um, doing things with, with, with automotive. 
Um, he had some 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 Chevelles and GM vehicles and some sports cars, and it was all fun. So did you guys? You have you had a garage downtown Atlanta at the house, and you guys? Yeah, we, we had really? we, we had a garage. Oh wow! Yeah, I never think of a downtown house in Atlanta having a garage where you'd be tinkering with cars that close to the Fox Theater, especially. Well, our our house was built in 1921. Ooh, wow! Okay. So it was it was uh, an old house, um, and it was built back when there was Model A's and Model T's in that area. So you had to work on them. You had to work on them. <laughs> so so what were some of the cars you and your brother were, were tinkering with most um, of the time? Uh, a Chevelle a Malibu 307 that he liked it. Then then he had a Super Sports uh, 67 Super Sport. Then he got into uh, sports cars with an MG, a Datsun 240, uh, Mazda RX-7s, and um, then he got back into the GMs. Uh, he had a couple of El Caminos and cool, so, car, cool cars. So, so, so did you guys did you guys build them or you just we, maintained we did, them? We just worked on them, maintained them, raced had, them, had had fun. No, we didn't race them. Didn't race them. No. Oh, shoot. I thought you were going up and down the streets raising cane in Atlanta. Well, he may have, but uh, I didn't go with him. I was I was like 12 years old when we moved to, moved to Atlanta. Okay, but you grew up with cars. That's that's all that matters. What what inspired you to you know when you, you're tinkering with cars, you're 12 years old, you're learning skills. Where did you take that skill set? Well, on on my personal stuff um, in high school, I worked at. Uh, Boomer Shine Dawson that was downtown. Then I went over to work for Atlanta Racing um, that was that was in downtown Atlanta. And uh, I just always enjoyed cars, but I, I did take it to a professional level. I just enjoyed it as a, an enthusiast level. So tell us a little bit about Atlanta Racing. Atlanta Racing was owned by uh, James Reeves and Mark Bush. James Reeves had a um, Yanko Stinger that he ran in A production with a wow. V with a V eight. Yanko. Yanko Stinger. That's a name you don't hear all the no, time. No, and it was a convertible. And he had quite a, a number of track records with that car. Uh, had a, had a large following. Um, and they they worked on a lot of um, down Dante's down the hatch. They okay. worked on Dante's cars. Okay. So, um, which was a collection of what? Sports cars or hot rods or sports, muscle cars? Uh, sports cars. Sports cars. All right. Where where were where were people like Dante and, and them taking their sports cars at that point in time? Uh, Autocross and and various locations of Atlanta, Road Atlanta. Oh, they'd take them out the Road Atlanta. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, road Atlanta was what created and built in '69. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Not the road Atlanta we know now, but the it was a it the, was a the, good start. The the the, the wild the, times. The original, yes, <laughs> yes. The so you're working on cars. You're working at a dealership. Where where did you go from there to develop? You know, what your career was going to be, or what your future was going to be. Well, I I grew up and um, spent a lot of years in distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, move, moving, moving freight uh, from one place to to another, uh, as as a warehouse management. But in um, 1999, spring of 2000, we lost four kids 
sorry, we lost 16 teenagers in four months in Metro Atlanta. Wow. So every time you would turn on a teen, uh, the, the TV, you'd see another report on another kid being lost. So that sort of sparked something in me. My daughter was nine years old, and I knew that at some point um, she was going to be driving age, and I didn't want her to be um, a statistic. So I, I looked at a number of programs that I didn't like, and well, what, I mean, what kind of programs? No, dri- driving programs. Driving programs. How to drive, or how to race, or a little bit of each. Um, advanced driver training. Okay. For for street, I'm not trying to create uh, race drivers. I understand. I'm trying to create good, safe, competent teen drivers out on 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 today's roads. Right. Now, back in that day, were the were the, was that part of the high school curriculum? Was there a basic driver's education course like I had when I went through school? In the seventies, back then, yes. Okay, um, they had them in the schools. Gwinnett County had a had a strong program, but Gwinnett County was also for a while the number one county that lost the most kids uh, to, to car crashes. But yet they had drivers ed, so there is a continued problem of making sure our kids are safe on the road. So looking at this issue. Uh, I went to some friends who were Gwinnett County police officers. We talked, and they told me about EVOC, which is Emergency Vehicle Operation Course. It's the course that every cadet takes to become a certified police officer, not only in Gwinnett County, in Georgia, and around the world. Hmm. So we modeled our training program after EVOC. We call it TVOC, Teen Vehicle Operations Course. Our first class was in 2004. We're now in our 20th year on a shoestring budget. By the grace of God, we've trained about 7,000 kids. So going back to Gwinnett, when you when you got involved with... Now, you mentioned EVOC. Could anybody take EVOC, or did you have to be a police you had, cadet? You had to be a police cadet okay. to take EVOC. Was there any spillover from... EVOC into the driver ed programs back then? I mean, I took driver ed, but I don't know what was behind the program other than, you know, I'd already been driving tractors and cars and stuff like that. No, there there was no crossover. No crossover at all? No. So how did you develop the, no pun intended, traction for your program, what you were doing? Well, we we had one class. We Our, our first class, we had three kids. And um, so the, 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 the parents liked it. The kids liked it. They had fun. They were learning something. And so January of 2004, we had our our first class. And from there, uh, that first year, we had 244 students uh, attend. The next year, we had um, almost 500 attend. Wow, that's great growth. And that that was word of mouth, and we appreciate that word of mouth. Did you, um, did, you have, did you have some people behind you, mentors or things that were, you know, helping you put the program together and make things happen? We, we had a couple people, but basically what we were doing is, is um, creating a, a, a new project altogether. So there was nobody to fall onto. Um, we just got our, our instructors together and made the program better and um, started branching out and going to more more locations and training kids and making a difference. So no. it's kind, kind of, you know, there, there is no, you know, we're, we're a private nonprofit, 501c3. Mm-hmm. 
So there's, there's really um, not, not a whole lot of people who do what I do across the country. Now, were you still warehousing, distributing, all no, that kind of stuff I, at that point that was, that was that was full-time. So you, you dedicated yourself to these yes, kids yes. right from the get-go? Absolutely. Did you go through the EVOC program? How did you get your training? How I got my training was, was watching my instructors and train, uh, train their kids. Because so, your instructors had been through the EVOC correct. program. Correct. They were, they were all post-certified state instructors. Um, that, that taught for the academy for Gwinnett County. So the more time I spent with them, that, that was sort of like on-a-job training for, for me. For you? Okay. For, yes. So tell us about the uniqueness of your program compared to, there's other driving schools around. I mean, there's, there's a lot of racing schools, and there's a lot of driving schools that get confused with racing schools because the facilities of racetracks are used, even though they're not teaching racing to the right. the teens or the, the adults taking those programs. Tell us what's unique about your particular program. And, and it's, a, it's a, the, the reason that I gravitated towards, you know, having you as a guest. And, and we've had a relationship over many years now. I couldn't go to a car show without seeing the, the Fear This trailer. Let's go back to those days, the Fear This. What, what was that all about? Well, the, the fear of this was, was trying to instill a message into our youth that, you know, cars are cool, but they're not worth dying for. And you, you look at the, uh, you know, the hot rodders of your and my time. You, you look at the kids coming up through the, 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 the Japanese cars. You know, that's all cool. But there's a percentage of those kids that um, they, they push the limits and they make a mistake and, and, and it costs them their life. So, you know, if, if you want to do stuff, go to the track. Don't do it on the, on, on the street. Street racing is an issue. Especially it, in Atlanta. Well, ex exactly. Um, so, you know, don't do it. If you want to do it, there's a place to do it. But the, the, the street is not the place to do it. Okay, so take us through, take us through your school and the uniqueness of it. We know your training, we know that you, your instructors are, are law enforcement people. Tell us a little bit about the vehicles that your school uses. Well, our vehicles are what the kids drive every day. What a concept. <laughs> you know, we could provide something, number one, that, costs, that, that raises the cost of the program to somebody, whether it's the, the, the parental uh, registration or the corporate uh, partnership. Uh, and providing something really gives a kid a false sense of security. We have everything under the sun. If, if, if you're driving a, a, a truck, bring the truck. You're gonna learn the limits of the truck because that truck handles totally different from a, a Volkswagen Buck. Sure. And uh, these, these kids know to, need to know how to react um, so they can apply that to everyday driving. So our, our class is basically the, the basic training for a police cadet. We do a cone course that teaches them, yes, we throw in parallel parking, but nobody ever dared, died parallel parking. <laughs> Um, we teach them how to use their mirrors, how to uh, maneuver in tight spaces, how to back up. 
Uh, then we go to a braking exercise. So we start off about 25 miles an hour and push it up to 40, 45, depending upon the student, depending upon the vehicle, to teach them where that brake, brake management is. Uh, if that vehicle does not have uh, ABS, we find out and we teach them a different technique so that uh, they could still maintain control of the vehicle. We switch that up into evasive maneuvers, simulating something getting in their way when they're going down the road that they can stop, turn, brake, come to a stop, and go home alive. Uh, then from there we go to skid training, which they're in our vehicle uh, through a series of courses and a series of, of, of cones, they'll experience total loss control, how to bring that vehicle back under control, not panic. Media will refer to a crash as overcorrection, but in real life there is no correction because there is no training. At some of our locations, we will actually do off-road recovery. We, where we use an airport, they have uh, lots of asphalt. They have uh, a, a little place where we can run the kid off the side of the road and bring them back on at, at speed to give them that experience of what it feels like not to panic and go home alive. These are the things that driver's education doesn't teach. Driver's ed, it's an important component, but it's a starting point. It, it gets the kids a, li a license gets them out there on the street, but we got good kids making fatal mistakes because there are components that driver's education never, never, never train them for. Well, the driver training that we have right now, what, what does it exist of here in Georgia? Here and in, I, I would guess we're like most states. What do, what do you got to do to get a license? If you're 15 years old, you are required to take driver's ed. Uh, there's a couple ways. If you'll go to the Georgia Department of Driver Services, look up the Joshua Law. There's, there's a lot of specifics about what you can and can't do, curfews, how many people you can have in a vehicle. Um, but basically, driver's ed is 30-hour classroom, six hours behind a wheel. The state says you have to have 30 to 40 hours in order to get your license. So when that six hours is is over with the state says okay mom and dad you are now the driver's education teacher but we got a lot of parents who don't know much more than a teacher is because they never took driver's ed themselves when they were coming up so are these kids are the are these kids parents required to do some of the things that their kids are required to do at your school at our school the parents sits there in the right seat oh really Yes. So you're using the kid's car. With the parent. With the parent in it. That's right. So if their kid's a dumb driver to begin with, they're hopefully scaring the heck out of the parent. Yes, and the parent's getting a good education on... What they uh, should have done. What, what they should have done. <laughs> you know, it's like we said earlier, we almost need a train-the-trainer program. Right. Mm -hmm. But having that parent see the kid in a controlled environment when they get out there, okay, does my kid really need to drive? What do we need to continue working on to get that my to get my teen ready? Woodrow, what was it like putting your daughter through this program, being the instructor for your daughter? Well, you you know what, 
from from day one when she got her learner's permit, I um, I gave her some training in the parking lot, but I drove by example. Um, be the be the uh, driver you want your team to be. You know, don't follow, uh, don't 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 tailgate, do everything right. And you should probably start doing that way before they have the that, learners. That's program. right. Uh, I taught her how to back up with mirrors. I taught her nine and three, and today she's thirty three years old. And you know, when I'm riding with her, she's she's still doing nine and three. And um, you know, it's 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 teaching the kid at an early age to do the right things, and they'll they'll follow. You've mentioned a couple times mirrors. Tell, tell us a little bit about the importance of mirrors. We've kind of given up on mirrors because we've got these backup cameras and stuff on cars. And in some cars, you actually have a camera that you mirror. But wh- how, how can you not overemphasize how to set mirrors and stuff like that on your car? Well, driving is about, te- uh, about skills, not technology. Right. And one of the things that, that we work with is mirror placement. Um, you'll, you'll have a 10-inch mirror on a side of a car, and I walk up to a car and talk to a teen, and they're only using two, two inches of it. The rest of the, vehicle, the rest of the mirror is looking down the side of their vehicle. Um, and when I get them to adjust it, it's like a light bulb goes off. See how much visual you pick up? If you have the mirrors uh, just, adjusted right, you can almost see the, the vehicles on either side of you at, at a stoplight. You know, I'm not a, a, a fan of um, cameras because they can fail you. It's all about skills. Now, you mentioned Joshua's Law some time ago. My son got his license right at the very beginning of Joshua's Law. For those that have not drawn, brought their children through this recently, can you tell us a little bit about Joshua's Law? And what well, let's even back up. Joshua Law was named for a young man by the name of Joshua Brown up in the Cartersville area. Joshua Law, his crash was as a result of wet weather, slick roads, hydroplaning, hitting a tree, and losing his life. Driver's education wouldn't have never addressed any of those issues. Hmm. That was about skills. So... His dad uh, got very active, went to the state, uh, sat down with his re- state representative, and created, with, with some other smart people, created the Joshua Law. But if we go back to actual cause, it was a lack of training. And the law is what? The, the, the law is uh, a number of things. As, for, for a teenager who's 15 years old, you have to get a driver's license. It's the restrictions on who can drive with you. Um, it's getting that teen the right training. There's a couple choices. If you go to a state-certified program or you take an online program. So we're taking driver's ed online. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, and even now, when... The teen goes to take their driver's test. Um, there is no longer a actual instructor in the car. It's all done by cell phone or electronic devices. Where the the, the teen is driving, the parent is in the right front seat, and they're talking to somebody um, virtual. Really? Yes. 
So we're teaching, we're, we're taking a, a, a road test. Is yes. there a road that you, t- that you take a road test on? Or is it this some, make-believe city some, thing? Some, some places there's a, there's a road test, but some places it's just on a big parking lot. And, and you're doing this with a cell phone? Yes. The, 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 the driver the, doesn't have a cell phone, but... The, the, the parent has a cell phone. So we're just... And, and, and is talking to <laughs> the driver's education or, or the driver instructor. Um, so we're distracted driving while we're taking our test. Yeah. Basically. Yes. We're, we're dumbing down the most important thing a teen can do in their life. Plus, we're telling them... Don't use your cell phone in the car, but we got to have your cell phone fully charged for the driver's test. And well, what what brought what brought about the cell phone thing? COVID. Oh, I okay. figured. Yeah. All right. Because of this, you know, six right. foot rule. Okay. Now, how does our training compare to how uh, the the youth are trained in Europe? Well, it's, it's, it's much more extensive. It, it, it's uh, more we, lengthy. We are or they are? They are. They are. Um, if you look at the Germany Autobahn mm-hmm. and oh. look at their crash rate per usage compared to our national, it's, it's embarrassing. Even though they have no speed limit on the Autobahn. That, that's, that's correct. Well, how many dollars are involved? How many years are involved? In, in Germany, just just ballpark, getting a license. Honest, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm not sure. You you know, somebody can Google that and they they can find out. Um, but it's a lot more than we spend here. Right, a lot more they, time, they, a lot more money. They take driving a whole lot more seriously than we do. As you said, the autobahn uh, that has no speed limit, but yet, you know, you're you're on the autobahn, you know, to move over. You're, mm-hmm. you're not blocking traffic. You're, you're, it's just all being courtesy, being respectful, um, and and keeping your head up and watching other traffic. Whereas here, we look down and, you know, you go to a stoplight, you see people's heads go down. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, they're on their phone. They should be praying they make it to the next light and, and not on that cell phone. And before cell phones, you still had people eating fast food in the car and changing to radio stations and sometimes even looking at maps. I mean, we've got a long history of distracted driving. It wasn't just the the cell phones, although that's made it worse. Right. The, since you brought up the cell phone, I'm going to bring it back up. Do you do any cell phone driving during school? No, sometimes during the, the classroom portion. Yeah. We will do a little... Uh, experiment, experiment will have them text something, mm-hmm. timing that, mm-hmm. and then relating that time into how far they've traveled down the road. At, at 55 miles an hour, you're, you're traveling 88 feet a second. Wow. And the way I text, <laughs> that would take you a long ways by the time I correct all the, the spelling errors and things like that. And then we relate it to you know, breaking distance and stopping distance and, and perception, you know, when, when something happens first, you know, the brain says, okay, there's, there's a situation. How long does that take? Then to move the brake from the foot from the accelerator, the brake, how, how long does that take? You traveled a whole uh, long time uh, before you have made a decision to actually brake. Correct. Yeah. Reaction time. And those are some of the things I would think you do on the cone courses and stuff 
with your with your students when they're taking the school. Is that right? Well, especially when we're doing breaking. Okay. You know, we'll start off at a, 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 a on a breaking threshold breaking straight line breaking. Mm-hmm. We get them to stop at a certain cone. As they speed up, that uh, vehicle starts moving farther into the exercise, so they can see um, reaction time. So they figure out that they've got to break earlier to get to the same cone. Correct, or just uh, slow down and um, follow the, the follow the speed limit. You know, uh, out on the roads out here, it's 40, 45 miles an hour. On the interstate, it's 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 twice that. You've got to really keep your head up um, and pay attention. Things happen quick. How has technology affected the things that you uh, need to know to drive? You talk about dumbing things down. Tell us about a little bit about some of the technologies that have made us even dumber. Well, people are, are, are relying on technology to get them out of a situation. Sure. Um, whereas the uh, skills is more important. Um, there was an individual down in Florida who was driving a uh, self-automated vehicle. He had a program for work. He was reading Harry Potter. And the car's technology didn't see the tractor trailer cross in front of him, and it cost him his life. The technology didn't see the tractor trailer. The technology didn't see the tractor trailer. He, he never saw it. He was reading Harry Potter. That car is owned by USAA, and it's in their possession. I think we did an uh, article about that on the show, or not an article, a segment about that on the show. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was a white truck or something like that, yes. and it blended in with the sky, and, yes. and so the, the technology didn't, didn't pick that up. How about ABS? You know, everything's got ABS now. Would you, it, would you it ha- please explain to people, for the most part, everything's got ABS. I mean, even tractor trailers have got it now at this point in time. Is that automatic braking system? No, 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 no. It's, it's not automatic braking system. A- ABS is a, is a way to, well, you tell us what ABS does. A- ABS is a uh, computerized system that modulates the brakes and allows the vehicle to turn. Correct. Whereas conventional brakes, if you get into a situation and you lock up those brakes and you're sliding, you can actually turn the wheel from hard right to hard left while you're going straight and there's no effect on turning. Ah, okay. ABS systems allows that brake modulation so that they have full braking potential, but yet they can get around an object. They don't lock up, Bill. Okay. So I've, I've, I've went to school on ABS when I was a technician and we would put a car on the lift, chained down, so it's not going to, you know, vibrate off the lift. Run it at 60 miles an hour, slam on the brakes, and put a timing light on it. Now, a timing light is nothing more than a strobe light, mm-hmm. which slows things down. Mm-hmm. All right? And you can actually see the wheel going like this, but it never locks up. Now, I wouldn't recommend you, you know, do that on your lift at 50 or 60 miles an hour without having it chained down because it, it, it's a little violent too, it, yeah. you know, when it's suspended in the air. But, uh, you know, it allows you to turn. And manufacturers are putting this on the vehicles, but they're, they really don't tell the buyer mm-hmm. how to use it. Right. Because us, us knuckle draggers, you know, Bill, me, Tim, you, 
You know, when you jammed on the brakes on a conventional car back in the day, a rear-wheel drive car, you knew it was coming around. So it was, you know, drive into the skid and all that stuff. And that would work most of the time. You can't, you got to deal differently with a front-wheel drive car versus a rear-wheel drive car versus a car with ABS versus a car with uh, four-wheel drive or a truck with four-wheel drive. All of those work differently. And I, I'm just going to give an example for both of you. I went to a driving school as an observer. I took a lot of driving schools, you know, in, in, my, in my time around cars. But I went to a driving school, and one of the first questions that was asked in the classroom was, what kind of car do you have? And you know what the reaction was? Hmm. They went around the room, and each kid said, I got this kind of car. And then the instructor will say, is it two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive? They didn't know. 90% of the kids did not know, you know, they knew what car they were driving. They didn't know all of that kind of stuff. And it, it really changes the dynamic of a vehicle and how you drive it in different situations. That's right. That's right. So what they're learning in your school is they're bringing the car they're driving most of the time. They're they're learning real world, real real world application in a controlled environment for their car for their car mm-hmm. that they can drive off the property in traffic go home and have a better understanding of what that car is going to do. So, Bill, have you ever gone to a driving school? Uh, all I ever had was my high school driver's education course. So no, the vehicle that you drove in. Driver Ed, anything like the one you drive now? Oh, no. <laughs> it was a Chevy Chevette with manual transmission. All right. I'm going to ask Woodrow, so, you know, because he's the, the driving instructor. Manual transmission, automatic transmission, which makes you pay more attention to what you're doing in the car? Manual. Absolutely. I would imagine yeah. that, yeah. 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 We see very, there are very few manuals left. Every once in a while, we will have a manual car. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss that. But I, I 90, miss driving that way. Ninety-nine percent of the cars come in um, automatic. Yeah, they, they, they come to our program. Well, if you're worried about getting uh, carjacked, best thing to have is a manual. That's right. <laughs> Anymore, you, know, you pull up in some fancy car with a manual, and they can't. They can't tell you, How do you drive this thing? <laughs> All right, back to back to reality here. So you're doing these exercises with the students in cars, their own cars. Uh, other schools that are around the country provide a vehicle. What's what's the what's the double-edged sword of a school providing a vehicle to a student to to drive you for know, the during student the, is, during the training? It, it, the, if we were to provide something, mm-hmm. it's going to teach that kid a false sense of security because whether it's a high-performance vehicle or, or something. That's not going to handle anything like what they drive mm-hmm. on a daily. Plus, it adds cost somewhere uh, to the program, whether it's uh, in registration fees or whether it's in uh, sponsorship dollars to the program. Somebody's got to pay the money. Somebody's got to pay. Plus, there's insurance liabilities, mm-hmm. which are huge. So those, those are, are, are dollars that, that, that we're saving. How how many corporate sponsors, how many other outside individuals do you have helping with your program here in Georgia? In Georgia, 
Um, we have received some um, grants from, from one of the large insurance companies over the years. Uh, down in Noonan, we have uh, Coweta County Sheriff's Department who helps uh, promote the class. We also partner with Abby's Angels Foundation who their family went through a um, crash that took their nine-year-old daughter back in 2012. Tell us that story. Um, bear, bear with me because it's kind of close to my heart. I understand. I understand. Um, Abby's Angels was created by Natalie Bacho, uh, a mom with three, three daughters. And they were on December 12th, 2012. They were going out to look at Christmas lights. They were going through the intersection. A young man ran a light. He was distracted. He was in a series of texts on his phone um, where Abby and her dad were sitting. They took the force of the crash. This was a van, right? This, this, was, this was a minivan. Yeah. Um, they were both air flighted out to two separate hospitals. Abby was pronounced brain dead on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Day, they donated organs to four other families. Dad was in a coma for a month. When he came to, um, he learned that his daughter was, was, was gone. So she got very passionate about this, this issue, created a um, foundation to remember her daughter and to prevent another family going through um, what she had to go through. And in the last nine years, we've had 1,100 kids come through the program just because of little Abby. Mm. And tell us a little bit about the person that ran into her, her family, the young and, and the, events, the events that have gone on at some schools and the, the, the turnaround story of... of you know, her dying. Well, uh, down there, in fact, yesterday we were at Trinity Christian School. They did a school-wide program because this is National Teen Driver Safety Week. Right. They want their kids to be safe. Um, and down there, um, their foundation offsets the cost of the class for parents who register. So because of that, we've got a partnership with the local church. Basically, we've got the codes the, the, and the keys to the church. We walk in, we walk out. Same thing with the Coweta County Fairgrounds. So you, we, do your, you do your classroom in the church? And then we go do the classroom in the, the church, yeah. and then the next day we go out to Coweta County Fairgrounds. We've got keys and codes, and um, the um, Coweta County Sheriff's Department heat team, they help. Um, promote the class and they tell the community and it's it's really a, we're doing a lot of good down there we're, we're, we're saving lives and all because of, of nine-year-old little Abby and, and her mom Natalie the driver of the car that hit them what was his fate he got nine months nine he, months what in in prison in prison okay okay but then a couple of years later he was involved in a second crash that killed his uh, 23-year-old girlfriend. Uh, he was DUI, he had the crash. Um, he put her behind the, the, the seat of the, the, the driver's seat and he fled the scene. And because of that, he's now in, in prison for 15 years. 
Only 15 years. That's what I was thinking. Just 15 years for all of that. Well, if he had gotten a little bit more time for the first one. Might you know, not have been a second one. There might not have. A lot, of, a lot of wrist slapping there, the hand slapping that goes on in court. I've and, seen and, it. Yes, and, you know, um, you know, one driver being involved in two fatal crashes. So what became of the story of Abby that that brought it full circle? And I know that was an emotional situation for you too, to, to experience that. Um, Natalie asked me to come with her to Carrollton High School for her to speak to the students at that school to tell her message. Was Abby a student or going to be a student at that school? Not, not okay. at that school. Okay. This, this was out of county. All right. Um, on a side note, when it came time for Abby to graduate, she got a diploma hmm. from the school. But going back to the, the Carrollton High School, at the end of the program, I saw a young man coming out of the stand straight to Natalie with a hug. And at the same, same time, one of Natalie's friends came to me and said that he was the one who received Abby's heart. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it's a visual that kind of changes your life and makes a big impact. Um, but we got good kids making fatal mistakes. We need to do better. We need to give these kids the real training so that they can, they can survive. Atlanta is a tough place to drive for adults. And we give uh, kids the keys to the car with the least amount of training and bad stuff happens. Well, you're, you're, you're taking care of the kids, the kids that show up and go through the school. You're doing your best to, to protect them. How about the rest of us? What, how, how come we never have to take a road test again once we get our driver's license? How come when, you're, when you commit an uh, infraction, uh, you can just pay a fine. Why, you know, how, do, how do we get off that easy? We, we have low standards. We see caution teen driver stickers on cars. Mm -hmm. We need caution adult driver stickers just as much. Well, I, I agree with you, but we, there's no requirement. And if there's no law, there's no requirement on people that are driving without their license, without a license, without insurance. And uh, how, how do we... How do we better police that? Every, every five to eight years, every driver should go through some type of defensive driving program automatically to keep your license. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But how, who do you talk to about that? Who do you reach out and say, hey, you know, we, we've, we've had bad crashes here in Hall County in the past few weeks and, and months and just bad sightings, you know, people going 180 miles an hour on on some of our highways, 150 miles an hour, causing fatal crashes, and you don't know what causes the crash necessarily. But you know, how do you how do you get how do you just say to people, you know, take it to the track or take it somewhere, but don't take it to the highway because you know, Grandma's out there and little 15-year-old Johnny or Susie's out there, and boy, that's quite a mix between between everybody. Well, if you look at society issues. Cats and dogs get more attention than teen drivers. Well, sporting events certainly do. Yes, but as far as... Uh, I understand. I understand, yeah. 
So what are the stats in, in Georgia? What, are, what, what kind of stats do we have as far as teen driving deaths? And, and uh, At one time, Governor's Office of Highway Safety used to have uh, stats for the last 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. and you could follow that. But now they have, they've taken that uh, access off their page, so we don't know what the stats are. You know if you're a parent, then it's one of your kids. Yeah, you do. But they don't have that stat up there anymore. They, they've taken it down. Wow. If there's someone listening in another state that wants a TVOC program that doesn't have one, what is your advice to them to get one started or maybe to get some help? Uh, reach out to me. Um, but we'll provide information. We'll, we'll, we'll talk and see what we can do to get something going. Do you have anything going in other states right now? Years Back in 2018, we had a partnership with the Children's Hospital of Alabama. And through their resources, we were able to do a class at Talladega Super Speedway. Okay. And that was a lot of fun. We, we used the uh, infield area. Sure, yeah. Um, they had some large parking lots. But we, we, had a, we were there for uh, two and a half days. And did your regular school that you do? That, that's what we do, our, our basics, our, our classroom and our uh, in-car practicals. We did it right there on the, on, at the racetrack. Well, that's, you know, you, you say you've got it, you need a big place to do it. That's a big place to do it there. You could probably put on three or four schools at the same time if you had enough uh, participants and instructors. Yes. At that particular facility. So we can't get the statistics now in Georgia of teen deaths, all right? But what are your, what are your thoughts on the driving part of our test that we have here in Georgia? It's um, too simple. What would you do about it? Well, we, we know that a kid can turn right and left. Mm-hmm. Can they stop in the appropriate time mm-hmm. from a given speed? Right. Can they bring that vehicle back under control if they go off the road? Mm-hmm. That's not a part of it. Well, why is that so difficult to do at a at a dry, at a at a uh facility where you're issuing licenses well with the 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 test anybody can go to the state take a hundred question test if you pass it the state says you are a driver's education teacher really but but they don't but what's 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 your actual background what's your what's your training um to instruct Right. With the academy to become a post-certified instructor, you've got to go through an instructor's course to teach. And you have to you obviously have to be able to drive a car. C- correct. And you have to, your body has to have muscle memory of control of, of those situations that you've just been talking about. Correct. But again, it all goes back to you know, we, we've kind of made uh, driving in America, getting a, a license, way too easy. It's become a right instead of a privilege. And that's the that, way people that, look at it. That's right. That's, that's correct. You try and take away someone's license, whether or not it's legitimate or not, they get all bent out of shape saying, hey, it's my right to drive. Well, like it's you say, it, it is a privilege. What, how does a parent decide on a driving course? How do they decide? Yeah. 
mean, there's a lot of them out there. How do you, how do you figure out which driving course you want to send your kid to? Well, usually they reach out to social media and say, hey, who, who did you send your kid to? Hmm, okay. Facebook knows all. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do without it, right? I don't know. <laughs> What what differentiates the school now than from when you started it? Uh, I'm I don't remember when social media started and cell phones and all that. But you started in two thousand. My first class was in two thousand four. Okay, two thousand four. So and we obviously had cell phones and things. We had cell phones at that point in time. Um, Did we have as much of that in our car though? What was the technology in the car back then? Two thousand four. I'm trying to think. We'd gone from AM, FM radios and cassette players to... I think you had the stuff. FM transmitters where you could, you could hook your phone up by a, via transmitter and play through your FM okay. or something okay. like that. That was probably the extent of your... We had ABS. I know that because, you know, I was working on it back in the day. But um, you, you've said previously that the advanced cars make us dumber drivers. I think so, yes. You think so because the car will do so much? Be, because of the te- technology, you know, if, if, if you go lane to lane, it'll, it'll warn you, it'll beep at you. But if you're paying attention... You should kind of know that. Th- that's right. Lazier drivers anyway. Well, lazier, it's not, yeah. It's not dumber, lazier. I mean, I'm that way with my car. My, my car's got, you know, it's, everything's automatic. I have to keep my I have to work at keeping my brain activated when I'm driving in that car because it practically drives itself. So what should we do to to make us a better driver? You know, it, it, Bill and I. How do you, how do you make us better drivers in the vehicles we're in right now? Well, y'all been driving for for ages. I know that. Um, getting personal now, Woodrow. <laughs> well, I'm I'm right there with you. It's it's a matter of commitment. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of, of realizing that um, one misjudgment could cost you your life. Um, it, it's, 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 it's not an easy thing to address, but we've got to address it somehow. We've got to make it more important than um, here, here's the keys. Off you go. Do you have any videos of your, of your school in action? Uh, yes, on, on Facebook, you can find those on, um, there is a TVOC teen vehicle operations page still up on, uh, Facebook, Facebook that, yeah. that has that, or you can go to Abby's Angels and, uh, see videos that, uh, information off their page. Well, thanks for educating not only the teens that you've educated, but all of us that are, you know, participating in the podcast or listening and, and kind of opening our eyes a little bit. Because we don't take it seriously at all. We're, we're in, and as we get into electric vehicles, it's going to get worse. Because you've got more weight involved. You've got all, all sorts of different dynamics. Uh, we don't take it seriously. No, it's no, a, it's no, a weapon. Not. We get in that car and it's a weapon. And I appreciate uh, both of y'all's time to, to, to what we're doing. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Bill. You're welcome. Thank you, Bill. I learned a lot. That's good. Thank you, bud. All right. Year one, the classic muscle car restoration parts folks, only folks I use to get parts for the muscle cars that I build here in the Bud's garage when we have time in between recording and doing all the other stuff we do. Uh, I suggest that you go to year1.com 
and get on their mailing list because midweek you will get some great specials each and every week that they post and uh, you can save some big money by doing that. So check them out at yearone.com. Well, Bill, or Bill, should I say, time for some thank yous. First of all, I want to thank DJ Bill for keeping it all together. And, sure. the, reason, and the reason you're called DJ Bill. Well, Bud, I uh, am the program coordinator for DJ Trivia. We're a nationwide family-friendly trivia game, free to play at a venue near you. Log on to djtrivia.com for details on when and where a game will be found. And if you're listening in the North Georgia listening area, I just may be your host. Yeah, that'd be good. And Bill Main from Mornings on Main Street, heard every day, uh, every weekday on WDUN, AM 550, FM 102.9, Terrestrial Radio. And he is on from... Way early in the morning. How early, Bill? 5.30 to 9. 5.30 to 9. Eastern time. No wonder he looks so tired all the time. 5.30 to 9. No, he's a great guy. Great car guy, too. want to thank Jacobs Media for the use of the studios, uh, for the professional sound that we're always looking for. I'm still striving for it, but we got the mics for it anyhow. And Woodrow Gaines from the Teen Vehicle Operation Course. Uh, also, if you want to listen to Bud's Garage, the radio program on terrestrial radio, it is also on AM 550 and FM 102.9, WDUN out of Gainesville, Georgia. And let's not forget Lanier Technical College, where you can learn a career that you can put in your back pocket and take it anywhere in the country. Year one, classic muscle car restoration parts. And concept one, the ultimate pulley systems if you're building a hot rod. Just check them out at conceptone.com. And you can go to Access WDUN, which is a free app, and you can listen to Bud's Garage, you can listen to Mornings on Main Street, and a lot of other great shows here uh, out of the Jacobs Media Studio. Until then, remember to keep between the ditches, shiny side up. We will see you next week right here on Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast.